Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to History Hack. If you didn't know by now, we are the revolution. That means we're sharp, witty, lots of fun, but it also means that we're essentially the peasants in Les Mis huddled round a table in the corner of the bar with no money. If you enjoy the show, please do support us. We have a Patreon account by which you can donate a small monthly sum in appreciation of what you're hearing. Alternatively, we have Ko-fi in which you can just do a one-off donation as a thank you if you particularly enjoy a certain episode. Either way, we massively appreciate all of your support. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to another History Hack Pole Position. This one is going to be so awesome, so make sure you're tuning in and listening. Turn up the volume, kick your feet back, because I have with me a co-host. And my co-host today is the one and the only... (laughs) Claire Molly. Hello, Claire. Hello, Jeanne Dobre. It's great to be in Warsaw. We are right now recording in front of the Ugly Building, FYI, if anybody wants to know, in my office, and we're looking what I'm looking at it, so I'll be inspired by the ugliness of it. But that's not not the ugliness of us. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not interviewing Claire. Claire is my co-host. She's going to be asking questions with me. But... Who have I got with me? I've got Robert Gawowski, who's an author, and we're talking about his first non-fiction book. So the book is titled The First Enigma Codebreaker, The Untold Story of Marian Rejewski, Who Passed the Baton to Alan Turing. And I'm actually really excited to talk about this. We don't talk about, we talk about the enigma through the British perspective, but we don't talk about it through the Polish perspective. And I think the British perspective is rather different, isn't it, Robert? Because we think immediately of Bletchley Park and the codebreakers there, which did fantastic work um i think if anyone else has heard about it they've probably seen the or read the book by robert harris or seen the film enigma which i think gives a very particular and perhaps problematic picture of this story can you talk a little bit about that yeah that's that's true from polish perspective the history started a bit earlier actually 30s or even before this bolshevik invasion when Codebreakers played a huge role in order to beat the Soviet army. And then we have, you know, this, uh, the Polish uh, generals just get aware that uh, there's something happened in Germany. They try to they use different kind of tools to save the messages in army and, and they trying to figure out what, what how we can deal with this because it was completely different. So as long as they use these traditional tools to uh, crack the codes, it was actually, they, they were unsuccessful. So they, they, they figure out that something happened. So they tried to use a different approach in code breaking. And that was, that was the beginning. So it was the, the end of 20s, the beginning of 30s. That's when the Enigma story begin in in terms of Polish perspective. We're going to talk about this. We've got a lot to talk about. So I'm going to, let, let's just kick off. Let's go straight into all of this. So we're talking about Marian Rejewski, but I really enjoy, as I always enjoy, the beginning of books, where you talk about a little bit more about the history of Poland and you kind of involve his whole story from A to B. 
and I want to know a little bit more about Adayevsky's family, his early life, especially in partition Poland, because he was born in 1905, and Poland still didn't exist at that point. Yes, so true. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I think that in this story uh, you can use Marian Rajewski's history uh, life to tell a lot about Polish history, because he was born, as you said, in 1905, so... Poland such simply didn't exist on the map of Europe. Then we have the consequences of the First World War and uh, repla- uh, Poland reclaim independence. Then we have, of course, interwar period. And we try to build independent country after a couple of hundreds uh, of uh, partition. And then we have the Second World War. And then we have communist period. And Marian Rejewski died in 1980s, so his whole life shows you completely different uh, parts of Polish history. So that's that's another thing that is very interesting in his life. We've got 80, nearly 80, 75 years of 75 history. 75 years, yeah. In this crucial point in 20th century. So that's that's something that you can see how history just, you know, entering his uh, each de- decade of his life, so oh. that's that's interesting. Um, which part of Poland was he born in? He was born in Bydgoszcz, so it oh. was Prussian uh, part of Poland, of partition of Poland, it, which was uh, joined to Prussia uh, during the first partition, so much longer under the German uh, control than other parts of Poland. And uh, Bydgoszcz uh, became uh, slowly but consequently much more German, meaning that Bydgoszcz was completely dominated by, by Germans and Poles was something like 20% in this city. So it was much harder to, uh, to, to keep the identity language. So that's interesting, isn't it? Because originally the code breakers worked through language rather than mathematics. But yeah. presumably when he was born, he grew up being a German speaker. Of course, of course, completely. He was uh, bilingual from the birth, actually, because Poles just couldn't speak in Polish uh, in schools, on the streets, so uh, it was really hard to, you know, even publish pub- uh, Polish uh, news- newspapers. So uh, even then, when you look at Polish newspaper, and this time there's a lot of uh, adverts saying, keep learning uh, your children Polish, because it was really difficult. Or even they uh, said uh, or pointed out those who changed their surnames from, Pols- from Polish surname to German surname. So it was really hard to... Uh, to uh, to to grow up to to live as a Pole and of course it as a consequence you have to create a different kind of patriotism then in in Warsaw for example where Poles dominate uh, such cities like Warsaw yes so so it was completely different so it was uh, you have to be much more focused on uh, you know keep working uh, each Polish organization newspaper everything is, is each decision was actually uh, need some courage and uh, sh- you need to show your identity in, in a way uh, in, in each aspect of your life. So. Just a reminder to our listeners that there were three partitions in Poland. So you had the Prussian German, you had the Russian, and you had the Austrian. Three completely different ways of ruling over the Polish nation. So if you go back to the podcast where we talk about Piłsudski, you'll be able to hear more about the Russian. I think I've got to get someone to come and do the Austrian occupation now. Now we're doing a bit of the German, we've done a bit of the Russian, now we've got to come and do the uh, do the 
the Austrian, but I can even add one important thing, so maybe all interesting things about. Uh, we love interesting things. Uh, about Elizabeth uh, Zavetska, as you, uh, yeah, you, yes. you, you're preparing a good book about her. So even uh, she was born in Torun, so it was German. German city as well, close to Bitgorz, just something like 45 kilometers. And she said that her father was a German clerk, so she 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 also had a problem to keep speaking in Polish, and when Poland regained the. Uh, um, uh, independence. She she had to learn very quickly Polish because she didn't speak Polish yeah, until she was thirteen yeah, years exactly. old. She was, but she, she always knew, and I'm sure, presumably the same with straight for Rieski, They always knew they were patriotic Poles absolutely. inside. Yeah, but yeah, so they had was... some books in Poland, uh, in, in, in some Polish books in the homes. Of course, cherished them. Uh, Maria Rieski had the books from from mid nineteenth. Uh, century, so it shows you how they trying to, you know, preserve this Polish, this Polishness. You mention in this that his her do- sorry, his daughter still has these books. Yeah, it's true. Still has these books uh, uh, printed in, in in the middle of nineteenth century about Polish history, about Polish uh, poets, and uh, now nineteen oh five was uh, interesting when Marian Rejewski was born because Henryk Sienkiewicz uh, won a Nobel Prize for his literature and of course he, he wrote Krzyżacy, this really famous uh, uh, book about uh, when uh, when Poles beat Germans or, uh, or Prussian, uh, uh, Prussians uh, in uh, the beginning of 15th century so it was a kind of you know bringing pride from Polishness so, oh, so how was, dare he how dare he so, publish such a so Polish you can, book you can imagine <laughs> how important this time was for Rajewski's family you know Henryk Sienkiewicz mm. uh, won a Nobel Prize and Marian Rajewski was born and uh, of course when Poland uh, reclaim independence the first statue that uh, Poles bring in Bydgoszcz was devoted to Henryk Sienkiewicz so let's move on a little bit so World War One happens. I want to say things get better in quotations. I mean, they do and they don't. It's kind of Poland is in complete and utter chaos. There's no government, there's no economy, there's no nothing. Literally, Poland has to rebuild itself from the bottom up. We have independence, we have chaos, we have borders that are changing. However, the Bolsheviks have invaded Poland. Their clashes with the Germans. Where does Rejewski fall in all of this chaos? <laughs> he, was, uh, he, he was in... 15 when Bydgoszcz became a Polish city because you know, Polish history is never easy. So Bydgoszcz became a part of Poland not in 1918 but in 1920, so two years later, mm-hmm. because we have uh, just some uh, fight on, on the western border as well. And I'm talking now about uh, this Wielkopolska uprising, so Grand Poland uprising. So uh, he was he was in high school. Uh, which was German when he started uh, learning there, and and in the middle just became uh, Poland, Polish school. So he graduated his A level Polish matura in Polish school. But uh, you know, so during even in, in the, in the beginning of his education, he feel that you know. Uh, the circumstances change a lot because uh, you know classmates differ. A lot of Germans just move uh, back mm-hmm. to to Germany, 
uh, one of them was, uh, I would say, right hand of Goebbels, who then created a story about Bloody Sunday in Bidgar. So there is a personal, really huge story. In oh, we're gonna come to I that. I don't know if they know each other, or maybe he was his classmate in during the high school. That that would be quite interesting to figure out. Uh, however, it shows you that you know even then uh, he was he was fifteen. Uh, he feel the, this you know, moving ground of history and very uh, proud moment for Poles who celebrate this uh, event for three or four days. Of course, Germans trying to disturb in different ways, and uh, unfortunately, a few months later his father died, so he had to grow up really quickly, and he was the only man in family, so he was the focus on on school and his uh, home uh, horse duties so um, so so that was important for him in many respects he goes on to university in Poznan doesn't yeah, he exactly uh, that was the second the next well I'm just going to say it. there were some fantastic graduates from Poznan University going to throw in Elspeta Zavatska we already met her for it but she shared the mathematics tutor with exactly. Rayevsky, didn't yeah. she? Do you think the two of them Krugowski. knew each other? Yeah, of course. Krugowski. I think yeah. Uh, Professor Krugowski, he he moved to Poznan from Lwów, uh, where he was uh, deputy director of Lwów Polytechnics. He really proud mathematician. His life, he was also uh, a leader of Polish mathematicians. Uh, society, so really important person, and really important also because he uh, he worked on this permutation theory. So that was his field of expertise that he shared with his students on the first year, and that was the beginning of some cryptology story in Marian Rybski's life. And uh, he was a bit uh, older than uh, Elżbieta Zawadzka, but yeah, now we know that he he teach her for for a few seminars and workshops and uh, so they have contact. It's it's worth knowing that uh, you know the number of students on each year was something like dozens, maybe twenty. So these relations between students and uh, lecturers, uh, academics were quite different. So even uh, Rayevsky had some personal relations or private relations with uh, Krygovsky in the sense that they spent their uh, holidays together, invite or meet uh, after class classes. So it was you know the the relation as a master and mm. student something like this. Mm. And of course it was uh, it was a lifelong uh, friendship I think uh, because even. When he come back to Poland after the Second World War, they, they still keep in touch. So, yeah, so Poznań was absolutely really important uh, in many respects because that's, of course, at the beginning of, uh, of his mathematic mathematical career, the, the first... Uh, um, the first opportunity to learn something about cryptology, just... Uh, uh, and um, yeah, and hone his mathematical skills. That that uh, he knew he knew that he would devote his life in mathematics. However, it wasn't uh, as it is today because uh, you know when you graduate from mathematics in the days, then you can you can become a teacher or go to financial industry. Hmm. And actually, Maria Nerevsky thought that he would be uh, working in in, in uh, 
entrance industry. That was a new field of expertise in Poland, new, new lack of expertise in many uh, in many areas such as finance industry. And uh, he moved to Gatinga University for one year. And at the end, it was he was there only for a few months. And because it was it was hard to get a job uh, at, at, at Poznan University. So when he was in Germany, he felt a lot of anti-Polish and anti-Jewish sentiments as well. Isn't that one of the reasons he kind of moved, one of them, that he moved back to, to Poznan? Uh, the reason why he moved back to Poznan was that during his uh, summer holiday, he got a letter from uh, Professor Krygowski who asked him to to work at the university because... So he was headhunted? Yeah, he was headhunted, actually, yeah, that's true. He's that good yeah, that he gets headhunted? That, that, yeah, it was, you know, it was a difficult time in terms of uh, economy, you know, it's the end of 20, so hyperinflation, economic crisis in, in the world, so uh, so it's never easy to get a good job, and then there was, there was such a good, uh, good position, new position, and he was looking for someone to his uh, team, and he invited Rajewski. He wanted him. He wanted to cooperate with him uh, at the beginning of, of study, or maybe at the end on on his study. But you know, the problem was that was lack of uh, position at the university. So he come back to holidays, and he got the letter. There was there was an option to to work uh, together with Poznan University, and uh, I think he he didn't have any doubts what to do in this uh, situation and moved to Poznan. Uh, uh, actually, his daughter, his uh, his sister, started studying at Poznan University uh, at the end of twenties. So you know you have family. also family relation. Yeah. Uh, really close to to his mother, so yeah, I think that that was that was uh, these two cities, Poznan and Bydgoszcz, was in a way, you know, uh, working together. So many, even when you read uh, uh, newspapers from this time, there are a lot of uh, uh, reference to Poznan or on the other way. So, Poznan is quite a cosmopolitan city, yeah, isn't it? Of course, and I think when this uh, university was created, it was it was very interesting place to study because yeah. it was a, a first uh, university on western part of Poland. It was created mostly by contacts uh, maintained by scholars in Poznan, so they invited many interesting people around the Europe because you know university, new opportunities, new places to work, uh, good. Uh, uh, living conditions because Germans live uh, left the, the city. Uh, so at the beginning, uh, you can even learn that it was half half. I mean, half uh, lectures or um, professors from uh, Western Europe and uh, the other uh, part from Polish universities. So you know, it was really creative, creative uh, interesting, and. Uh, uh, and stimulating place to study, I think. So let's move on to a bit of cryptology, because, <laughs> I mean, this is what the book's about, right? <laughs> it's more about Marian Rejewski. Well, Marian, well, you do you do a lot of technical stuff as well, so I actually need you to talk me through this, some of this stuff, because my brain is not technical, so I'm struggling a little bit to understand some of the more technical things. So the question here is, why did he first of all choose cryptology? And how does his career actually develop? Because he doesn't just start mathematics and the cryptology just appears, right? So there's got to be some sort of process to it. Yeah, so we have to come back to the late 20s. 
and uh, general stuff in uh, war, so figure out that they need different skills to break uh, German coasts. Codes and they thought that maybe you know some mathematical skills might be maybe good way to to to, to find out how it works. And uh, firstly, they invite a few professors from Warsaw University. They, they, the answer was that so it's too complicated. We couldn't break this code. So you know, I'm feeling slightly better about this. <laughs> so you need to someone who is, you know, absolutely uh, eager. So you know, sky is the limit. I can do everything. I am just graduated from university, and uh, I can deal with uh, everything you 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 ask me to do. You need a and, bit of youth in there, yeah. a bit of young arrogance, really. Yeah, something like this. But it was, you know, when you look at, uh, on this from public management or public administration perspective it shows you how important is you know some uh, you know innovation perspective or attitude or there is no limits to solve any problem we know you know when you think about public administration it you know conjures up a picture about something someone who is divorced from practice and things like that but that was really that they were innovators i would say in, in today's terms so uh, so they knew that they need someone who who is fluent in german and who has some mathematical skills and uh, uh, guys who work on cryptology and uh, general stuff uh, was uh, they were from Poznan so they thought that maybe Poznan University is a good place to recruit some uh, some some people who have these two uh, skills uh, German language and mathematic mathematical skills so they organized set up a course uh, which ended up with an exam and three uh, of students uh, the best students were choose uh, were chosen to to join to the Polish army and it was Rajewski, Ruzycki and Zegarski. Uh, Rajewski was the, 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 the older one and uh, so he was kind of a leader of this team and so the first year was just that they worked in Poznań and doing some easy stuff and then it was you know quick uh, quick question uh, are you going I are you willing to move to uh, to Warsaw so you have oh, just two, two three to days. Warsaw. All the best things exactly. happen in Warsaw. Yeah. Not that I'm biased. No. <laughs> so he moved to Warsaw. You know, he he made his decision very quickly, and uh, he he find a flat just close to this place actually because it was in Jolibosch, of course. Uh, uh, it was much closer to uh, uh, Metro Marymount, mm -hmm. so it's I think fifteen minutes walk yeah. from here. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was that was that was the story. So at the end, in seventies, Marian Rewski said, "It wasn't me who chose uh, cryptology; it was cryptology yeah, just that chose me." So, uh, so that was that was the beginning, and he, he was completely unaware. Uh, he was completely unaware about this task. So he obviously had a private life, of course, which is very important. And I think you interweave this into the story really well because you have literally the lives of two people at the same time, because we'll come to that. It's, it's important. The family joke was, wasn't it, that mm. he was such a workaholic that if he got married earlier, he wouldn't be as brilliant as he was. 
film have enough time to break in anyway. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about his private life and how that kind of interwove into his career. Yeah. So Marian Rejewski married uh, Irena Lewandowska just 1934, just so it was two years after Enigma uh, success or breaking the Enigma. And uh, that was, uh, they know each other for a very long time, probably uh, uh, when they were just, you know, 10 or something like this. Uh, they were friends, but no one knows about, uh, and, and people and uh, family members expected that there is something in this relation that may ended up in, in marriage. And, uh, but you know, when he moved to Warsaw, he was asked to break Enigma, he completely devoted to this issue, so then when he was, when he done, his job. He, he invited uh, Irena to, to visit him in Warsaw and everyone knew that that was the beginning of... She stayed. Uh, yeah, that she stayed for a longer time. She, uh, she, uh, she, she was born in 1905, so in the same year. Uh, her father, a dentist, uh, were close to uh, Marian Rejewski's uh, father's uh, shop. So there is a way of contact uh, between them, and uh, I find in an address book that in this uh, in, 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 in this uh, place where Marian Rejewski's father's shop were um, was uh, the, uh, the people with the surname Lewandowski was there. Is it the family? I don't know, but you know that that creates some kind of opportunity to to bump into much, uh, uh, um, uh, yeah, on a daily basis. Yeah, so probably that was that was it. So did she have a maths brain as well? Was there? Yeah, I think so. That the, the, she 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 she's uh, familiar with this stuff. Uh, however, she, she she was really committed to family life. Mm. So. Uh, so Marian Rejewski in many occasions highlighted that he wouldn't succeed it without her, without her support, without her uh, work at home, that he can uh, you know, concentrate on his uh, work in, in, in the cyber bureau and uh, men should be really rewarding their wives for the job that uh, they've done. So he, he, he values absolutely, he values her, her, her work really. Very and, and they had kids? Sorry? They had children? Yeah, of course, they had two children. So in 1936, Andrei was born, and then a few months before the outbreak of the Second World War, Janina uh, was born both in Bedgorz because, uh, you know, father of uh, Irena Rievska, who was a dentist, so he was a good contact in doctor and in, in, in health service. So, so they were born in Bedgorz, so Marian Rievski. And Irena Lewandowska. I think they were a really happy marriage and couple. Of course, uh, this period uh, between 1934 to the outbreak of the Second World War, it was. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that was the best uh, part of their life because then you have seven years uh, when Marian Rejewski was abroad, and um, <clears throat> and after the Second World War, the the history was, the, the story was much more, the life was much more complicated. We'll get to that in a little bit, I think, yeah. We are, because, um, coming back to the Enigma, even though we're going to be jumping around a little bit, we like a bit of private life, but a little bit of romance, something positive at least, because everybody keeps saying to me that I don't have positive things on my podcast. There you go, everyone. 
something positive. But the Germans, they don't make it so easy for the Poles. Uh, war is war's looming. They begin changing codes more and more often, even changing the rotor settings, for example. How do the Ryovsky and his team combat all of these issues that they're coming across? Yeah, that's that's also interesting part of the story because actually they started from the van and uh, uh, ended battle machine again machine yeah because the first the, 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 you know the first event that this uh, when 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 he broke the enigma was uh, was it, it was possible by using these mathematical tools but uh, they really quickly figure out that they need to develop some uh, some some other tools. Because it wasn't just breaking the code, was it? I mean, they reverse engineered the machine. Yeah, exactly, they exactly. So, so they start from pen, from paper, and then try to develop their tools. And they invented Zygalski's sheet, Zyklometr, and Bomba, Rayevsky's Bomba. So, so, so actually, they, they they were able to, you know, set up a machine, go for a lunch, come back, and have the uh, outcome of this work. So uh, you start from the competition between man and machine, and then you uh, finished uh, machine against machine uh, competition. So mm-hmm. that shows you that it it wasn't it wasn't only a question of think about uh, mathematical skills but also some technical uh, imagination uh, how to apply very general knowledge in mat- from mathematics to practical solutions so they absolutely introduce a completely new approach or paradigm shift in cryptology so that was something uh... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So for English listeners to this podcast, um, something that people, if they visited Bletchley Park, they might have seen the bomb machine, which is this massive machine developed by Turing and others. Is that named after, or is that you know in tribute to the bomb machine, uh, the pioneering work done by the Poles? Yeah, probably in a way. However, that's two different machines because mm-hmm. Marianewski and uh, his colleagues uh, they were focused on uh, on mistakes which Germans made when they sent their messages, yeah. uh, while uh, Alan Turing invented his bomb as a I would say universal tool. So give me whatever you want, and my machine just. Okay. Crack it, So that was something different, a different strategy of uh, cracking uh, Enigma codes. Yeah. 
But do you think he was deliberately referencing? I mean, to yeah. choose to name it virtually the same yeah. name must be yeah, in tribute. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's 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 uh, that's a good uh, uh, link between these two machines. That they met once and uh, we're, we're getting okay. in France. We're, we're, we're going to come back to that. Hold on, let's let's hold horses just before because we're coming up to war. But the summer of 1939, something yeah. important happens. Talk us through what that is. Yeah, it's true. So at the end of uh, 1938, Poles just lost the capability to cracking Enigma on a daily basis. It was due to the fact that the Germans uh, advanced Enigma, putting more rotors. So it was much more complicated to crack the Enigma because you need much more means in terms of financial means, technical means, to to keep going, to keep cracking. Uh, at the beginning of 1939, they knew that Hitler just uh, wouldn't obey this monarch uh, uh, agreement. So, you know, they know that, you know, the, the ground is shaking and it's they need to uh, find friends and uh, build coalitions. So they invited French and uh, British codebreakers to, to Warsaw and show them everything. So that was absolutely, uh, I think, a huge surprise to them because, of course, they, they, they uh, transfer some knowledge, some papers between them. And, of course, at the end of the day, cracking the Enigma was, uh, was a result of uh, this cooperation, French, German, uh, French and British cooperation. Uh, however, yeah, they, they knew at the beginning or just a few months before before the war that uh, there's there, there, there's a need to share this knowledge just to keep going. And uh, I think that from French and uh, from British that was you know from zero to solution actually. So it was really quick execution uh, executive course <laughs> that they come to Warsaw and say and uh, know literally a, a, only a bit mm. or nothing and they come back to capitals with with everything with theory with uh, with tools with examples how to work on enigma and with prototype of enigma polish prototype of enigma so uh, everything uh, they needed uh, to keep working the shoulders. Absolutely, yeah. I think they annoyed the British and the French a little bit, didn't they? The, yeah, Pol the Poles was, cracked it, yeah, but the British yeah. and, the, and the French did not. Yeah, one <laughs> of the participants of this meeting uh, said, Mr. Petlevsky, uh, that uh, the Brits and French was, you know, just uh, confused and a bit uh, angry on, the, on themselves that no one think in this way and... Uh, uh, yeah, I think that was uh, a mix of uh, anger and uh, and, and uh, yeah, and, uh, and I think that that changed, of course, the direction because that was the this this ground, this foundation on which uh, French and Brits, mostly Brits, of course, in Bletchley Park, uh, took it forward. Yeah, yeah, could work, uh, could go further. Okay, I'm not going to go over the, the Second World War because our listeners, if you don't know by now, then go and listen to Roger Morehouse talk about the invasion of Poland. I'm not going to go all, all the way through. Right, so the Germans invade Poland on the 1st of September. Uh, Irena Aryowska, she decides to stay in Warsaw. I want to talk about this. This, I think, is quite important and it's, it's actually very interesting. She stays in Warsaw, but what happens with Aryowska? Where does he go? So... Uh... So we have an uh, outbreak of the Second World War. General staff just move. They had to uh, leave Poland and they move uh, on the southern part and then to 
Romania. Because we're the roof, no? Yeah, and then the uh, Polish cryptologists moved to France. That was quite an accident because they, uh, on the, firstly they they went to to British embassy, but British diplomats moved to. Uh, to, to Romania, so it, it wasn't a good condition to work uh, about with Poles, so they move on to French, and French give them uh, gave them very quickly French passports, and they move through Italy to uh, to Paris. Uh, however, they had to stay there and wait for other members of the staff, mostly this technical technical staff, uh, and they, yeah, they start working with uh, under French command. Uh, cracking the enigma and trying to help French uh, to defend uh, against uh, German invasion. Uh, actually, at the beginning, French didn't uh, listen to them. And uh, <coughs> no comment. There, there was even a very funny quote in his memoir when he said that you know, we, we just crack the enigma messages, send them saying that uh, Messrs. Schmitz in this day, from this direction, will fly from from Paris and, and, and they didn't listen to us and then the next day we're just looking at how Mrs. Schmidt just you know attacking France so it's changed they, they changed their attitude very quickly uh, however as you know French uh, uh, collapse France collapse as well so they move from the southern part of France then Free France. Free France, then on the northern part of Africa just Before they move out of France, mm-hmm. they also get visited, don't they, by some of the British, in, in, yeah. including Alan Turing. Yeah. yeah, he meets them out there. So that's yeah. their, is that their only meeting? That yeah, that, that, that was probably the only meeting that they've got. Uh, it was January 1940. Uh, Alan Turing uh, brings uh, some uh, Zagalski ship that yeah. uh, they can use them uh, to, to crack the Enigma, and uh, they uh, crack the Enigma together. So Alan Turing come back to Bletchley, and I think that might that that, that was very useful to him in terms of. Did the British not think at that point, let's take this fantastic Polish yeah. team with us to Bletchley Park? Why did yeah, that not this happen? Is, this is this is where the politics come involved, really, yeah. and it becomes so complicated. And just FYI, my great grandfather gets mentioned in the book, which I'm not not feeling bad about. That's great. But that's the whole idea. Is there's just so much politics. Talk us through these politics that yeah. are going on. Why are they not? Because, like Claire just said, why, why are they not in England? Why? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a legitimate uh, question. Um, I think that they wanted to go to London and work uh, in Bletchley Park and London, wherever. Just, 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 you know, uh, come back to this uh, code-breaking world. Because in France, they they have to do everything actually. So not only working. Um, uh, on, on the merits, but also doing some technical stuff. So, of course, that uh, Bletchley is a natural place where they should uh, should have gone. But uh, the problem was that Polish uh, General Bertrand uh, did everything he could to to to, to keep them uh, staying uh, yes. in France and. Uh, he was they, they was uh, they were a part of uh, second section of general staff and General Sikorski uh, didn't have uh, trust to this kind of people, uh, so he God thought God. that it, it would be better to keep them uh, far sense. from London and uh, the of politics course they just don't understand that. Yeah. So, so, so it's interesting. It wasn't that the English didn't invite; it was that the Poles 
Oh, it's internal Polish politics. And the thing yeah. is, this kind of also delves deep in this. Is, this is a whole other podcast that we could talk about. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the, the idea is that it goes all the way back to the First World War mm. and to Piłsudski. So yeah. this whole dynamic between Piłsudski and Domowski and the left and the right and and that, that Sikorsky kind of got sidelined and, mm. oh, my God, it is... Because, of course, Marshall's wife, Madame Pilsudska, is in Britain, but not yeah. talking to... And we've got reports, Elspieta Zavatska says occasionally there are meetings. She'd go into a room and there is Sikorsky on the wall. Ten minutes later, they're having a visit from someone else. So they take that down. They put up Madame Pilsudska's picture on the wall. Then they take it down for somebody else to come in and have yeah. a meeting because their the affiliations are so important. Yeah, and this is where it all kind of stems. It becomes yeah. very complex. And not that any other country is away from... from from their own politics but mm. in this context this is why it's so important mm. and it causes utter chaos because well I, I have my own opinions about Shikorsky but yeah. we're not gonna we're not we're not gonna talk about that today <laughs> so, so, so that was that it was politics uh, definitely it was politics uh, Brits want to wanted to invite uh, Polish code breakers because they they knew in details uh, what, what was their values, so but it was simply impossible. So, so the second best was the same so actually, to Alan yeah, yeah, so actually they, they lost their talent and work and effort. And of course they were uh, helpful in a way and still keep working, but it wa- they, wasn't, uh, they weren't in the center of uh, crypto. Uh, crypto work or crypto innovation in Bletley Park where the conditions was absolutely brilliant uh, mm-hmm. in, in many respects so that's of course a huge waste uh, because uh, they moved back to Great Britain in uh, August 1943 but just you say that so yeah. simply they moved back to Great Britain I mean this involved hiking over the Pyrenees and through mm-hmm. enemy territory didn't it exactly. and, just and a Spanish prison and the yeah, Spanish so prison so they knew that they uh, that the end of the French story and General Bertrand uh, tried to uh, organize, orchestrate some kind of path through uh, Pyrenees to uh, to the UK. However, uh, um, this, this, this story just ended uh, uh, badly for all of them because Marinarevsky and Zygalski just was uh, captured and uh, sent into prison and stayed there for more than six months. They got robbed as well, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they by the robbed, French. Yeah, because they they, they, they lost every, everything. So uh, they, uh, it was it was really I think difficult condition to them because you know they don't have money, they don't have anything to pay in prison to guarantee the better conditions. So did they also, as well as their money, did they lose their work? Okay, so they lost some of their. No, 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 no. That was only the personal things. Yeah. So, 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 so. Unfortunately, uh, six months in prison in Spain, and then uh, after the intervention of Red Cross, they were released and through Gibraltar moved to the UK. However, it was just they got they uh, went to Gibraltar few days after Sikorsky's crash, so this dynamics in, in, in British-Polish relations changed rapidly, so uh, so there was no way to move to, to Bletchley Park, even though uh, Alan Turing wasn't there as well, no one from Perry meeting in Warsaw just before the Second World War. Uh, no one wasn't there, so actually it was it was uh, it was hard to to think about this. And even uh, Marian Rewski, he was he was a bit frustrated. He he wrote a letter um, 
in which he he asking or urging for the same meeting as as it was in Warsaw before the Second World War, but it was you know completely different. U.S. Uh, uh, entered in war. It was different fronts, different priorities. We have a bomb in Bletchley Park, so it was completely independent in terms of cracking enigma. So they even don't think about you know supporting their team so that that that, that was it that that was this uh, this kind of story although they did keep decoding in britain didn't they? i mean they were still working for the war yeah britain. they're still working they, they but under the polish command so mm. they they break some german and soviet uh, codes yes. Ooh, well. important soviet codes at this point are very important cause... that was that was that that was even an interesting story in terms of this Holocaust issue because they they, they even now find out some information about the Germans uh, um, crimes during the Second World War on Jewish uh, communities so so, mm-hmm. so they support Polish general staff and this kind of information as well. well that's important in itself. Yeah. Okay, so I mean we've we've touched on this, but how do they end up finishing their their careers, or how do they end up finishing the war? That's also quite important. Uh, yeah, they they, they won't end it. Mm-hmm. Actually, they they were I mean Marian Rejewski and Henryk Zagalski in Paris in May, so they uh, saw the parade, the, this you know huge satisfaction that the war is ended. Uh, but uh, you know they moved back to London, and that was uh, that was a huge question mark. What to do next? They knew that, uh, of course, situation in Europe changed dramatically. That uh, he, you know thousands of Poles uh, had to decide what to do. They were aware that you know communist regime just month by month getting much more. Uh, stronger and the democratic opposition just losing big ground so just before we go on to that can we rewind a little bit because we've left his wife and children in Warsaw yeah ah, yes. obviously we have the Warsaw uprising August uh, 44 to October yeah. 44 yeah. so do they participate in the Warsaw uprising does his wife participate yeah. do, do they, they survive, survive? exactly that's, that's the key true. question yeah. she she uh, she was living during the war, still close to this place where we are talking, and Warszawa Gdańska, so Zajączka Street, so that was a building where literally a stone throws away exactly. from where we are right now. Exactly. We can look out the window in a minute. Yeah, show me. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, and um, Marian Rewski family lived there. Uh, still, uh, from Bydgoszcz. Uh, uh, however, yeah, she she stayed in Warsaw uh, alone with uh, two children, uh, Andrzej and Dianina, and uh, one lady uh, who helped them uh, on you know housekeeping things. Uh, that was of course a really difficult period uh, because she stayed alone. She rented her rooms, her, you know taking in advance whatever someone can provide it. So sometimes it was food, sometimes it was some money. Well, she had, because she had no income, did she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, actually she had some income because Polish army uh, pay her some money. So okay. she had some kind of uh, uh, remuneration. Something yeah, something like this. And uh, her family uh, lived close to Warsaw. So from time to time they... Uh, they had no contact, so and support her. 
Uh, of course, they, they, there was some connection between her and uh, her family in Bydgoszcz. Marian Rejewski from time to time sent some messages, but you know, really awkward, really hard to read anything from this just to give a sign that I'm still alive. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but she was lucky in a way that she lived in Jolibosz. Mm-hmm. District. So, as you know, during the Warsaw Uprising, that was uh, this district where Germans uh, didn't succeeded, and they succeeded in the central Śródmieście, uh, yeah. where Palut's family, so one of the member of this breaking team, really struggled to survive, and it was really difficult because you know it was uh, everything what you can imagine during uprising. Uh, but she, she, she was. Uh, in a way safe, as you can say, that it was possible during the uprising. However, this part of Warsaw was, uh, in fact, there was some kind of, uh, this called of Jolibosh Republic, so they have mm-hmm. some newspaper, theaters and things like that, so they're trying to keep work, keep living. So after the Second World War, uh, when uh, Warsaw, uh, Poles living in Warsaw, those who survived Warsaw uprising, she moved back to uh, she moved to Pruszków. That was uh, camp where those civilians who survived just right. were just west of yeah Warsaw. replaced to different parts of uh, Germany. And uh, and after that, after a few months, she moved back to to Bydgoszcz because Warsaw was simply destroyed. So she 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 traveled to Warsaw. And you know, in the first, uh, in, uh, in her first flat, there was some uh, some people who there just didn't uh, um, allow her to enter to to her uh, flat. The second flat uh, was just simply destroyed. So the easiest way was to move to Bydgoszcz, which was, I would say, relatively untouched compared to Warsaw. Yeah, of course, there was because it was in the Germans yeah. originally, and they kind of. Exactly. They, area, they choose different city to uh, to fight against Russians. I mean, they choose uh, Piwa a few kilometers on the north, and this city was completely destroyed. Eighty percent of city was completely, you know, uh, just equal to ground. Uh, but uh, Bydgoszcz just was uh, really uh, quick fights in uh, January nineteen forty five. So something like seventy buildings were destroyed. So it was you know simply nothing. So. Her um, Irena Rejewska father moved back to his property, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, she she decided to move. However, it was you know completely different uh, world because yes, you know uh, if you have destroyed cities, people um, have to live somewhere. So you have your own flat, and then someone from. Uh, city hall told you this family will live with you from day one because we don't have any other flats and you have some additional uh, neighbors in your flat that was yours for decades so so it was he was a dentist he was of course a place where he worked as a dentist but uh, you know in the next floor that was a different family in the in on the other another one so that was completely different conditions so but you know uh, that the, the it was uh, really nice and optimistic part of uh, of this story that Marian Rejewski when he moved back to Poland and Irena Rejewska they, they were happy and they said that you know but we survived we are quite health in healthy conditions and children survived. Yeah, yeah children survived we didn't experience any kind of um, cruel 
treatment uh, that you can imagine uh, during the war. So we might, we, of course, we have a wonderful life before the Second World War. Now we have to just get used to what we have, but uh, that's we have to be happy compared to others that might be much worse mm. than it is. Is there anything you want to add? Yeah, so post-war story. I mean, he didn't die until the 70s. So did he con was he able to continue working as a mathematician? Mm. Did he have to hide his wartime work from the Soviets for his own yeah. and his family's security? Did he become a greengrocer? Yeah, <laughs> that, that would be great, actually, I think, if he had a chance to come back to university and, uh, you know, develop as a scientist, as a mm. mathematician. But the problem was that, uh, you know, he, he came back to Bedgoszcz after seven years. So in, uh, at the end of 1946, he knew completely, he was absolutely aware what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. It was after Winston Churchill uh, famous speech about in Fulton after about uh, an Iron Carton. So he knew that and everyone uh, in London uh, told him that you might must be aware that that would be tough time to you. You are from the second section of the general staff. So as you can imagine, uh, that would be difficult. So I think that Bitgosh was a good place to live uh, to him, for him, because uh, it was, you know, uh, um, quite a, uh, it, it wasn't Warsaw when this political system yeah. consolidates. So it was mm -hmm. a good place to, to, to find a secure place. Of course, uh, when he moved back to Poland, his friend told him from Bedgorz that he would try, that he would look for a job in Polski Kabel. So it was a company producing you know, these cables, this electronic stuff. So and he 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 helped him to 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 find a job there as a accountant. So at the end of the day, he worked in financial industry. However, in different context. I, just, uh, I love it. This brilliant <laughs> mathematician, cryptologist, and everything, and he ends up being an accountant. Exactly. exactly. And of course, that was a company uh, on a strategic interest from um, communists because you need some tools to you know, provide propaganda and things like that. So a lot of spies and uh, people closely cooperated with Secret Service, just looking around and uh, unfortunately he he was sitting with a guy who was really uh, easy talking about uh, free Europe radio, about some comments about uh, Polish political life and that was that was the beginning when Secret Service started thinking and but who is Rayevsky actually? What right. what did he mm. do during what, what during the Second World War? And that was that was it. He was completely aware of it. He he stopped writing letters to his friends because he knew that that that's mm -hmm. that might you know cause some more problems to them. Uh, for example, with Professor Krygowski and his family in Poznań. Uh, Professor Krygowski. Uh, support him uh, uh, to uh, to work in Poznan, but you know, he was after seven years abroad, his father-in-law was, was ill, older, they need some care, uh, so uh, it was it wasn't a good time to move to another city with uh, with uh, his uh, mm, uh, family. Yeah. So even then, he experienced a really difficult family stories. His his the the young the older 
child Andre died suddenly because of uh, because of polio. It was probably the first case. So just in two days on on his hands, just died. No one knows what's going to happen, and even. You know, uh, his father-in-law, uh, doctor, couldn't help them. Then was uh, father-in-law died, so he was the only breadwinner. So still very difficult. Of course, everything in this context of secret service, you know, people following you, just special uh, operational cases uh, uh, mm, set up by secret service. So a lot of really difficult things that you have to deal with. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, after this, the, the late fifties, his life was really, really difficult. Mm. So he, he was trying to keep calm, to be, you know, uh, uh, cherish what what they had. Uh, it was him, his uh, his daughter, his um, Irena Rejewska, his two sisters, his mother still living in Bydgosz. So that was a small family, but you know you can try to find out uh, some some kind of relief after this hard years. So ironic, isn't it? These yeah. two massive heroes of the war, yeah. both very young, some until quite recently with your fantastic book. And in fact, there was another book in Britain uh, by Dermot Cheering, who's Alan Cheering's nephew. Yeah, he wrote the book X, Y, and Z yeah. about the mm. British, French, and of course the Polish codebreakers coming together. So he put that on the British agenda. Um, but these two sort of giants of cryptology both end up with these awful post-war stories. You yeah. know, I mean, you just think at this point they had done so much. But they mm. had possibly cracking the code. We said it. Shortened the war, it would have saved hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of lives because yeah. it brought the end of the war forward. And yet, Turing ends up in London on the wrong side of the law. And then, of course, you know, he's ostracized socially, he's yeah. treated as a criminal, and ends up taking his life. And Marian Rievsky is having this appalling time yeah. on the other side, you know, the other yeah. side of the Iron Curtain. However, so I think that here, as Zbieta Zawadzka had the, the very similar mindset, you have to just be, do your bit, yeah, mm. just day by day, week by week, and, uh, you know, just gain these small successes day by day, and then, after after a while, you will, you will finally be a winner, and that was with Elżbieta uh, Zawadzka, and that was with Marian Rejewski, who, after decades, in the seventies, could probably say that I was the one who broke the enigma. Yeah. So you know they they believe in this kind of uh, uh, approach. Yeah, and they weren't doing it for the recognition. Right? They, they were yeah. doing it for the war effort. But it is so brilliant that these stories are finally being yeah. brought to light with your fantastic book, Robert. Thank you. The thing is, they don't see themselves as heroes. If you talk to, for example, survivors of the Warsaw Uprising, people who were there, people who did like the most incredible things that you and I to this day cannot believe they actually did. And they just, like, for example, my grandfather. Yeah, I was in the Warsaw Uprising. That's all he would say. There was no hero. There was a, no. I just, I just, I just did some stuff. Mm -hmm. that, that's all they say. And they don't see themselves. They did what they had to do at the time. The Ashbeth is about to go. Well, exactly. I mean, yeah. do, do you she think we could do that? I didn't ever yeah. talk about that. But yeah. this is it. Could we, if we had, for example, an invasion, could we do the same thing? We would just do. We wouldn't sit there and glorify ourselves at the end of the day. We do what we have to do. Yeah. Well, I'd like to hope so. Yeah. I <laughs> think that, you know, Brits used to say that uh, they devote their life to public service. And I think that's that's a good expression to describe mm. Zawadzka and uh, Rejewski. They, they, would, they wouldn't say that they are 
and the hero that they are, that he is a, a you know genius he really avoid this kind yeah. of words he said i just devoted my life to public service that was my duty and i devote my life to my duty and I, it was mathematics it was you know cryptology and that was it so the same and thank so, goodness he did yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. But before we finish, I know Claire. People may not know because you're writing the book right now. Aren't you? I, I know. I know. We're focusing on Robert today, but you need to give Villasens just a little bit of context. Who was Zavatska? Who was she? Oh, she was Zavatska. Yes, Agent Zo. Zo. I guess I'm taken from Sofia, a very close friend of hers. She took her name as her code name. So, uh, okay. So the first country invaded is Poland by the Germans. Seventeen days later, by the Soviets. And so the, the Poles fight, they are they never concede, they continue to fight from exile, uh, they don't capitulate, they don't have a, a government installed, but the forces are pushed out, of course. A lot of them follow the same route that um, Ryevsky followed out of Lvov into Romania, and uh, actually your grandfather was leading yeah. the defence of Lvov, and Elspeta Zabatska is out making petrol bombs and fighting against the advance. So they actually served together. We, we don't know if they actually directly met, but... They probably would they, have, you know, you... They you, would certainly, she'd have known of so, yeah. They would have crossed paths at least somewhere, yeah, I, I somehow. So. So. Anyhow, so uh, she doesn't get out, she stays. And then, but the, most of the forces get out, then they serve, of course, in France. So most of Western Europe, you know, is what we call the phony war, or the mm. Boer War, as in B-O-R-E, mm -hmm. rather than the Boer War. And uh, meanwhile, the Poles have done two campaigns. Eventually, a large number of these forces get back to Britain, and they have more experience than anyone else. So this is really valuable stuff. So they cream off the tops of 2,000, and they put them into training for the elite special forces paratroopers. They're called the Chico Chemni, mm -hmm. or the, which is the silent unseen. They're trained in English country houses, basically uh, with SOE, when SOE is established. So they're section P, Polish section. But I think the Poles just see them as their own special mm. forces. They're very independent. They have their own codes and so on. Uh, because there aren't enough aircraft, only 316 get parachuted back. Now, Zawadzka is in Poland fighting uh, the advance eventually makes her way back to Western Poland. She comes from Turun near Bigot, which is why she was at Poznan with Ryevsky. And she um, becomes a courier, like Ryevsky. She, German was her first language. So she's the only woman going in and out of uh, actually Berlin for a while, doing this incredibly dangerous work, bringing um, information, you know, smuggling intelligence one way, smuggling uh, money and so on, orders back. Um, but eventually, I'm going to tell the whole story. I'm not. I'm going to cut it short. Right, cut it short. Cut okay. it short. So eventually, she gets betrayed. So she has to. Um, she's in great danger. So she becomes the only female emissary for the Polish government. So an emissary is not just courier, but they're also uh, enacted to undertake missions on behalf of a commander in chief. In this case, of the Home Army. So she's the only woman to make it from Warsaw during the war for the Poles all the way to London. Again, going over the Pyrenees, but other extraordinary adventures. She gets shot at and all the rest of it. And when she gets back, the men are just like. We can't even touch you. You're so amazing. What a woman. And, uh, and she says, <laughs> stop all that. Your systems don't work. You're, you're very slow on your admin. They're saying, well, it's five o'clock. We clock off now. She goes, do you have any idea what it's like out in occupied territory? So she sorts out their entire systems. She gets women recognized as legally as soldiers in the home army, which not happened before, which is hugely important because at the end of the war, they go into the only female soldiers in a, in a military that go into a prison of war camp rather than a concentration camp. So potentially saving thousands of lives. So anyhow. So she does all her work and they say, oh, well done, you know, go and have a cocktail in Piccadilly. She says, what are you talking about? I'm going back to Poland. They said, well, you can't because, you know, you'd have to parachute. She's like, yeah. So <laughs> she's the only woman that parachutes back from London, back behind enemy lines into, uh, into Poland. And then continues to serve, serves in the Warsaw Uprising. And that's not the end of her story. So amazing. Like um, Ryevsky, she goes through those decades of Polish history as well. So, 
Well, hopefully relevant. your book will be out next year, so we will get you back to talk all about Zoe. I think that's going to be, <laughs> That'd be great. Excellent. Thank you. But Robert, this has been, I love this. I think this is something that needed to come out on History Hack. It needs to go out everywhere because people forget. People forget that the Poles cracked the Enigma first. They were the ones who put the rings in motions. And the story is more or less forgotten. So, But do you want to remind our listeners the name of your book? Mm, yeah, of course. Uh, the first Enigma Codebreaker. Uh, untold story of Marian Rejewski who, uh, who passed the button to Alan Turing. So we will be having that in our bookshop. Make sure you check it out. We'll also be tweeting about it. And uh, follow my two lovely guests on Twitter because they're awesome. So thank you to my co-host. Thank you to my guest. You have been wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Our incredible guests give us 45 minutes of their time to join us and talk about their work or their new book. This is just a small taster. As a result, we have launched our very own bookshop on bookshop.org where you can find our guests' latest books, you can support them, and you can support us on History Hack. 10% of every sale via our bookshop supports the podcast and allows us to keep going and bring you more top-of-the-line guests. You can find our bookshop at bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash history hack or search for us in the shop section. Thank you so much for your continued support. We really appreciate our listeners and supporters. So make sure you get down to the bookshop and grab yourselves a new book. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com